You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is A's Cast Live, your comprehensive look at the Oakland Athletics. Drive to deep center field, going back Hernandez at the track, right to the wall, gone! Elvis Andrews! And 29 other MLB clubs. High drive, deep left field, Guerrero lifts one to left field and gone. Otani, that was a moonshot out there in the right center. Alonzo defends his title, the 2021 Derby champion. Join us as we take you inside the baseball universe from OPS Plus to juiced balls to game-changing moments. We have you covered. Spend your afternoon with us next from the town, only on A's Cast Live. Here's Chris Townsend. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Yes, it's Chris Townsend along with the commander, Commander Cody, uh, as we get you ready for what is the start of a road trip. 31 games left. That's it. There's 31 games remaining in the season. It's hard to believe. And right now, where are the A's? Well, they're on the outside looking in. That is a reality. They are six games back of the Houston Astros. They are two games back of the Boston Red Sox for the second wild card. But there's a chance. It's a reality. And what are they going to do in the next six games on the road before they come back home to take on the the Chicago White Sox? What are they going to do against the Detroit Tigers? The Tigers are 62 and 70. They're playing better than we thought. AJ Hinch, actually, hard to believe that this guy is going to get manager of the year votes. Their run differential is minus 63, but they've actually been winning some games. Cody, it's not going to be easy in the Motor City whatsoever. No, and and I will I went back and looked. Detroit since May 8th is 53 and 46. So you're right, A.J. Hinch has the uh, the Motor City Kitties playing well now that they have the, I wouldn't say the burden, but the, the ops, it's not even an obstacle, this, the, the triumph of getting Miguel Cabrera over 500 home runs, he now is 501. Now this team has to look forward to next year in building. They have a very young pitching staff with Casey Mize and Matt Manning and Tarek Skubel, who we're going to see tonight, the Hayward kid who's pitching tonight for Detroit. So they have a lot of young talent. Some of the other guys, like Spencer Torkelson, who's not here yet, the number one pick in the draft last year out of Arizona State, also a local kid. Uh, They got some kids in the pipeline that are coming, and A.J. Hinch had a quote the other day. I don't want to go to it so early, but here's what A.J. Hinch had to say. We're going to reestablish ourselves as a winning franchise and develop a winning culture. If If you want to be a part of it, then you'll come. If you don't, then we'll beat you. That was A.J. Hinch talking about uh, attracting free agents and signing free agents this offseason. And that made me think, there's one guy out there who I could see them bringing in. Do you know who it is? One guy that the the Tigers could bring in? There's one big-name free agent that they could lure to Detroit that has A.J. Hinch ties. Who is it? Carlos Correa. You're telling me Carlos Correa, A.J. Hinch, turning around that culture in Detroit? 
Carlos Correa taking over for, you think of legends in the Motor City, like Alan Trammell, Hall of Famer at short. I don't see that happening. And let me tell you something. The, 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 one of the things the A's have really done well this year is they've beat up on the AL Central. They're 17 and 7 against the AL Central. So if there is one thing that they have dominated, it's it's been the teams in the Central. The Central is, I mean, every single game I, you know, I, I write down what the A's and the other teams are against certain divisions. Basically, the American League West and the American League East have beat up on the Central this year. It's not very good. And this is, you know, this is the last hurrah right here, right? You got 31 games left. What are you going to do against the bottom feeders? Because even though you can say Detroit's played better, they're still not as good as the A's. Toronto is on the A is is right behind the A's for that second wild card. So this road trip, I mean, it's in front of you. How are you going to perform? Yeah, and Toronto's playing well. Robbie Ray looks exceptional. He, he he's going to get AL Cy Young votes for Toronto uh, for what he's done. He set a milestone yesterday, getting uh, I forget, I forget how many strikeouts. He's at like twelve hundred something career strikeouts in a thousand innings. He's like the fastest guy to ever do that. But you're right, Toronto's coming. They, I mean, they got ten they got ten games remaining uh, against uh, the Orioles. So and they won one last night. So they have nine games remaining against Baltimore. Uh, you could chalk it up that they're probably going to win all of them because the Tampa Bay Rays went. 18 and 1 versus the Baltimore Orioles this year. Let me repeat that. 18 and 1 versus Baltimore this year. The A's versus teams that aren't or they're 500 or less, they're 42 and 17. You got to you got to win. You you realistically you want to sweep Detroit and go 7 and 0 versus them this year. But win two out of 3, finish 6 and 1 versus them to get up to 44 and 18 versus teams under 500. You got to do it because you got to go in and play Toronto in Toronto. And uh, I hate to say it, Marcus Simeon looks like an MVP candidate playing for the Blue Jays right now, too. Well, you mentioned it. Something that we have talked about a lot on the postgame show is 30 and 42 against teams that are 500 or better. You know, compared to Houston, who's 46 and 27 against teams that are 500 or better. The fact that they're so above... 500 with that record and the A's are so much below kind of tells you everything you need to know, but none of that matters anymore. You only have 31 games left. You got three against Detroit. You got to go to Toronto, which is not going to be easy because according to the great Mickey Morabito, it's not easy getting in there right now. And guys who are not vaccinated are going to have to be in the bubble. So they're going to have to stay at the hotel, and they can only go at to the hotel, to the ballpark. There's going to be testing every day. Then you're going to come home. You get the White Sox for three and the Rangers for three. And then back out on the road, Kansas City for three. They're not very good. And the Angels, who you've handled. And then our last homestand will be four against the Mariners, three against the Astros, and then the last road trip is three against the Mariners, three against the Astros. But think about that, Cody, which I don't think we've talked a lot about, is the fact that there's a lot of games left with the Mariners on the schedule. And they're tr- and they're right behind you. So you're looking at seven more games against the Seattle Mariners 
And I don't know what the Boston Red Sox are going to do. I don't know what the New York Yankees are going to do. But I do know that the Mariners have a, a, a an over 500 record against the Athletics this year. And seven games remaining will tell a lot, Cody, about your fate. You know, how are you going to be head-to-head against – because I – at this point, you're six games back with 31 to play. Pretty hard to catch the Astros. But you can catch the Yankees or the Red Sox, and you can fend off the Seattle Mariners. But there's seven games there that are going to play a crucial role. Yeah, and you're you're actually, if you're an Ace fan, you're a Mariners fan right now, too, because you're rooting for them because they're playing against Houston. But they lost last night, and the Mariners have played well against the A's. I don't know what it is, and now Seattle uh, Seattle added a former A at the uh, a couple days ago. I don't know if you saw it. They got Sean Doolittle now. So Doo is now coming out of their bullpen. So they subtracted Kettle Grayman, brought in Sean Doolittle. So they're, but they're playing, they're playing a lot better, which their r- negative run differential is still surprising for how well they're playing, but you've got to win these games. You're right. Kansas City, their team you mentioned, they're not very good. But Salvador Perez is really good. Uh, he's single-handedly carrying that Kansas City team. You don't want to run yeah, into him, but he's trying to. He he will he break Johnny Bench's record? Was it forty-five home runs in a sing, single season? Because he's already set the American League record. He passed Carlton Fisk. Can he catch Johnny Bench? He's got more than a month left. Forty-five home runs for a catcher is a ton of bombs. Can he catch the great Johnny Bench? This is really one of the greatest seasons you've ever seen from a catcher offensively in the history of baseball. Yeah, I think he – I mean, I realistically, I think he can do it. Uh, the, the, the People are going to qualify, though, by saying he, he, it should – they're not going to you know, 100% say he's done it because he hasn't played catcher pr- primarily all year. I think he's only at 26 home runs as a catcher in like 90-something games because he DHs too. But it doesn't matter. He's played in every game but one. He's played in every game but one, and he's a catcher. Like, Buster Posey's not playing every game. Yadier Molina's not playing every game. JT Realmuto's not playing every game. Like, catchers don't play every game. Yadier, or Sal Perez is playing every The guy needs to be get MVP votes. Now, we know Otani's going to get the MVP in the American League, but what Perez has been doing, especially the last week, he was, on, he was the American League player of the week. He had six home runs last week. So I think he can get there. I think the most home runs we've seen in a season hit for a catcher recently was what Javi Lopez hit like 42. But I definitely think Perez has an outside shot to get there. It'd be great to see it because he's going to finish. I think he's going to finish his career with the Royals and see what he's doing right now at 31. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. But the, the A's got to capitalize on these bad teams they're going to play up against uh, right now because Toronto's good. And then you got you come home and play the White Sox, uh, who uh, they're no day at the beach as we saw when they played in Chicago. So you got to win these. You got to win these games against Detroit for sure. Salvador Perez, right now, where we stand, he's seven back from tying Johnny Bench. He's got a two seventy seven average, thirty eight home runs. He's driven in ninety four runs this year. He's got an OPS of eight fifty nine and an OPS plus of one twenty eight. This is truly. One of the great seasons we have ever seen from a catcher. I mean, it's unbelievable. You're going to talk about hitting over four. I mean, I don't know. Does he catch Johnny? Maybe. But he's going to at least hit two more home runs. And if you're a catcher and you have 40 home runs and over 100 RBIs, I mean, we're, we're starting to talk about Hall of Fame stuff. 
I mean, very, very impressive. Dave Schoenfield is going to join us. He's got an article out, ESPN.com. We love having him on the program where he talks about Shohei Otani's season is one of the great seasons we've ever seen in the history of the game. I mean, if you start talking about, you know, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, you know, some of the greatest years of all time, he is up there. And then also, really, the big news that was on the the ticker yesterday is, are they going to sit Mike Trout for the rest of the year? One of the all-time great players of all time, really not having a season in 2021. I mean, that's sad. Even though, you know, the A's have handled the Angels. But I think, Cody, I mean, even as A's fans, you got to realize this guy's one of the all-time greats. And the fact that he's losing a season, that's not good for the game. Because no, can you imagine no. if if he was doing what he does alongside Otani, the story would be incredible. Oh, yeah. And if you had Rendon, too. like, But, yeah, with Trout, if you had both of them in your lineup, just think about how many more RBI possibilities that Otani would have. If Trout was batting second and Otani's batting third, uh, it it would be remarkable. Now, would the Angels be any better? I, I can't say they would because they don't have any starting pitching. They just DFA'd Jose Quintana. He's now a San Francisco Giant. So there's one of their pitchers that's now gone. Uh, but you want to see Trout play. I mean, he's only 20, he's 30 years old now. And I think he personally is going to be the next member of the 500 Home Run Club because I think Nelson Cruz is going to – he's at 443, and he's been stuck there for a while now. I mean, for like a couple weeks. Uh, but he's 41. I think he's got a shot at it. Yeah, he's 41, but, I mean, he might. But if you're looking at guys that are not Nelson Cruz that are get there, I think Trout's probably the next guy to get there. Uh, sorry, I'm a little distracted. The, the, when we started the show, the Mets were losing 5-1 to the Marlins. They came back to win in the ninth inning. They're, the Mets won that game. So, I mean, we'll get into the Mets in a minute. But uh, You're distracted by the, the, the Mets? Yeah, the, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. There's nothing really – the Mets really haven't had any news going on around them the last couple of days. They've been pretty quiet in uh, – what do they play, Flushing? It's been pretty quiet in Flushing, so. Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. If you want to play in New York, it's a different deal. It just is. Like what we just saw with the Yankees. When they come to town, the media circus comes with them. And if you think – as a professional athlete, that you're going to challenge the fan base and you're going to win, you got no shot. No disgruntled player in New York history has ever survived. Think about that. I don't care if we're talking about the NBA, we're talking about the NFL, we're talking about Major League Baseball, we're talking about hockey. When you go up against the fan base in New York, you will lose. And the fact that these guys were doing a, you know, we all, we got riding the wave here and everybody's got their hand gestures these days. That these guys went to thumbs down to kind of take it to the fans because they've been booing them. You think you're going to win? Ain't going to happen. And today... They had to go hat in hand 
and apologize because there's no way the new owner, Cohen, who's worth whatever, $16 billion, and Sandy Alderson, friend of the program, there's no way they're going to allow this to keep going. Now, Rojas, their manager, maybe he may be out, but playing the dumb card that he didn't know what was going on wasn't smart. Javi Baez, you're not playing well enough to be going thumbs down. Lindor, you signed a huge contract. You're not living up to the contract. I just, I cannot believe, Cody, these guys actually thought this was a good idea. Yeah, and, you know, we I had the audio from, from what Javi Baez initially said on Sunday and then what Luis Rojas said, but they... Here's what Rojas – and I just have the quotes from what Rojas said today after the, they had a team meeting. He said, guys were held accountable, and he was talking about Baez and Lindor when he talked in the media. And then Javi Baez said, he's sorry. He didn't mean to offend anybody. And then Lindor said, thumbs down for me means adversity. The adversity we have gone through this, in, this whole, in this whole time, like the negative things, we have, we have overcome it. So it's like we did it. We went over it. Um, dude, you just signed a 10-year deal with the Mets. And you are oh showing God. you are showing no signs that one you want to be in New York, and then you're you guys are going through all of this. Javi Baez, you st- you've stunk since you've been with the Mets, and you've been sheltered in Chicago because they loved you there, and rightfully so. You were a good player in Chicago, and you didn't get booed. New York, Chicago is not New York. The East Coast media is not Chicago. It's it's a completely different world living on the East Coast, and especially New York. And you're gonna you're gonna hear it. And this is coming into today's game. I have Javi Baez's numbers. Coming into today's game, here's what Baez is hitting with the Mets. 210, three homers, five RBIs, and 17 games. Remember, he was also hurt. This is who they got. And this is after Cohen said, I, I don't understand how our guys can't get on base and how they don't slug. You got a guy that doesn't walk and he strikes out all the time. What did you expect when you traded for him? And then Francisco Lindor coming into today was hitting 224. 11 homers, 38 RBIs, and a 686 OPS. And he signed a 10-year, $341 million deal. And then they're giving thumbs down to the fans in New York. Derek Jeter had the best quote that I've ever seen when it came to talking about fans. He said, I don't blame them. When he got booed back in 2004, he said, I don't blame them. We would have booed ourselves tonight too. It's hard to imagine being worse than we were tonight. Put me at the front of that list. This was after his batting average dropped to 197 in 2004. We're talking about the captain of the New York Yankees saying, I would have booed myself too, not going, oh, we're going to boo the fans because they are booing us. Yeah, you're not, you're, not, you're not winning that battle. I mean, that, that, that just reeks of immaturity. And I was told by somebody in the know that the Cleveland Indians feel like getting rid of Lindor was great for the organization. And, you know, when you're not around a team, I'll never, I'll, I'll never forget C.J. Nikowski when he basically said, you know, we know, we know that we, we know our teams better than any team because we're around them, which is totally true. So we're not around the Cleveland Indians. But when I was told that he's a bad guy and that they feel like it's addition the subtraction is an addition. They hated having that whole thing over their heads about, are you going to sign Lindor? 
are you not, franchise player. In reality, people don't like him. So they got rid of him, and he signs this massive deal, as you just said, with the New York Mets, and the Indians are happy he's gone. It's really hard to believe. But once again, you don't know an organization unless you're around them every single day. And according to people in Cleveland, and this is something, the person who told me this is on the traveling squad. So you're traveling on the plane, you're in the hotel, you're, you're with these guys all the time. And Lindor is uh, it, it, it tough to deal with. And now we're seeing it in New York. I mean, you sign that mask. This is why year after year after year, I talk about, thank God we don't have one of these deals. How many of these 100 plus million, now 200 plus, now 300 plus, how many of these deals work out? How many of these deals are actually good for the organization? We're just talking about Mike Trout's not going to, play the rest of the year he's got like a 430 million dollar deal the angels are getting nothing out of him this year now they're not paying otani much so that's big but you look at so many of these hundred plus million dollar deals they don't work out and they're not good for your flexibility they're not good for your team and at what point now is our buddy sandy cody going What did I do signing, trading for, and then signing Lindor to this type of contract? And this guy's going thumbs down to the fan base. You can't be thrilled as the guy who's running the team, knowing this is going on, and you've got this guy, and you've got him for years. Well, he was off to a great start today, and in the game after they apologized, he was 0 for 3 with a walk. Uh, But the guy that – the other guy that was – Javi Baez, he came out. You can get rid of Baez. Well, yeah, he's afraid after the year, but he's yeah. Baez, but you you don't re-sign Baez. Well, he you got you got nine year. What was it? A ten year deal? Yeah. So you got nine years left of this guy. And who and who would take him off your plate? When you look at a team, well, there's really. I mean, if you're trying to think of a team that's going to spend money and try to spend money on a shortstop, there's not really many out there. And I think it was Mad Dog yesterday because he, he came on his own. <laughs> I love when people come on their own show when they're not on. Mad Dog called into his own show yesterday on, on High Heat when Alana Rizzo was in, and he just destroyed the Mets. Um, he's like, I, you know, I used to do sports talk radio in New York for 40 years, and he's went on his whole thing, and he was like, because I guess he's at the U.S. Open, and he's pretty much saying how Lindor doesn't even want to be. He's a tennis guy, by the way. Mad Dog yeah. is a huge tennis guy. He's like Lindor doesn't even want to. He doesn't even want to be here. Is pretty much what he was saying. He goes. He he goes. I pretty much like saying he feels like he he had to sign that contract because there was nowhere else for him to go really. Because the Dodgers already had someone. The Yankees had someone. Like, yeah, I could see the Yankees maybe want what would have maybe wanted him because they really don't have a shortstop for the future. But I don't know who's going to want him now. And Javi Baez. I mean, Baez delivered the game tying and then he scored the game winning run today. So. I guess good for him because redemption, maybe. But with Lindor, like, he's not really winning over the fan base in New York. Now, I have friends that live in Cleveland that love Lindor as a player. They liked him because of the smile and everything. But after what you said, I never heard any of that stuff. So that's Yeah, I didn't know either. I, 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 I was 
I was actually shocked when I was told that. But, you know, how would we know? You know, he was an all-star. He's a great player. He's getting MVP votes. You think he's a franchise guy. And then you hear, man, they couldn't wait to get him out of that clubhouse. Not a good dude. So you're New York. You're stuck with this guy for another nine years. I just, it's, it's so disrespectful what they were doing. I, and, and of course you go get Baez cause they're buddies, right? Yeah. And that, 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 that's falling flat on your face. And if you were the Mets, I mean, it was like a month ago, you're leading the division. Now you look at the Mets, they're seven games back. They're six and a half games back of the wild card. I don't see Atlanta giving up this lead, let alone Philly. I mean, you talk about a train wreck. That is your New York Mets right there. Yeah, and uh, they're ten and twenty now. I, I I included their win against the the Marlins in Game One of their doubleheader. Uh, they're ten and twenty since the trade deadline. That's not good. That's not no. good. After they were in first place a month ago, a month ago they were in first place. And then the Phillies went on a run, and the Braves remade their entire roster, and the Braves are just running away at the NL East because the Braves are pretty good, and they don't have their best player. But the Mets just completely fell apart. And that just – that stems down from – I mean, it's not I – don't, I don't – this isn't on Sandy. I mean, but it, it's well, – some, I mean, you have to, some of the blame goes on Sandy for the trades because he, he's the guy that looks – he's overseeing the team. But I just think there's so many other aspects of this to go into. I think the pressure is getting to them, and – I don't think they have a leader in the clubhouse is what it is too. Like Peter Alonso is trying to be that guy, but I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I don't know if people really. Well, didn't you pay Lindor to be that guy? Isn't that what a $300 million contract is? You're the guy that's the face of the franchise. You're the guy that's on all the billboards. You're the guy that talks to the media. You mentioned Derek Jeter earlier. I mean, aren't you that guy when you take on that responsibility of signing a 300 plus million dollar contract, you're that guy. That's why you signed that deal, because you want to be the face of the franchise. So if you're saying they don't have that guy, well, they're paying a guy to be that type of player. He's just not living up to the billing. Yeah, it, it, that's a little troubling. You're not even fully through the first year of a 10-year deal that you have all this going on. And I don't know how Luis Rojas survives um this year, after this year, as the manager of the Mets, I mean, but even Buster has said numerous times he thinks that there's going to be changes with the on-field staff. I mean, no one really lasts that long as the manager of the Mets, anyway. I mean, Terry Collins, I think, has like been one of the more longer-tenured managers in Mets history, and he did take him to a World Series. But uh, it'll be it'll be curious to see who they bring in there. I don't think Carlos Baltaran's coming through those doors anytime soon. But it'll be it'll be curious to see who they try to bring in the corral this group and then and, and see what happens because when Luis Rojas said oh, yeah I had no idea about what's going on with what that meant that's just pretty much like when when AJ Hinch and Jeffrey Luna are saying yeah we had no idea that any of this stuff was going on with the science it's just like you're, you're the guys in charge you have no idea that it's just I, I don't know how I can believe that coming up next is this one of the greatest years we have ever seen in Major League Baseball Shohei Otani, how does he stack up versus Babe Ruth, Honus Wagner, Barry Bonds? You'll find out next right here on A's Cast Live. 
This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. Streaming from the East Bay, A's Cast Live continues with Chris Townsend. Are we calling David or is he calling us? Uh, I'm going to call him here in a second. You think about some of the great years in Major League Baseball. You think about Ted Williams. You think about Mickey Mantle. Bonds. As a pitcher, who's on this list? Steve Carlton. Guys that were just absolutely dominant. David, how are you? Chris Townsend with the Oakland A's. Hey, hi, Chris. How are you doing? Uh, we're doing well. You know, 31 games left. We're, we're in a uh, full-on sprint <laughs> to the finish line here up against, you know, the Astros, Yankees, Red Sox. The Mariners are right behind us. Only 31 left, David. Very interesting. Yeah, yeah, you know, we don't have a lot of great division races this year. Uh, only only the NL West is close, but we got some fun wild card races. So we'll take what uh, the baseball gods give us, I guess. What did you think about the A's winning the last two games and splitting the series with the New York Yankees? Yeah, no, that was huge. You know, the way they've been struggling to score any runs. Um, with the Yankees on that big win streak, you know, the win on Saturday, the, the big win on Sunday with the Tony Kemp home run. Look, at this time of year, you feel like every win is momentum. That's probably overstating things, but um, when you win two big games like that, it, you just feel like it's going to lead to more big things, which we all know that's not always the case, but at least that's the feeling. That's the rush of a big win like that at this time of year. Yeah, no doubt. It, it felt like playoff games is what it felt yeah. like. Well, that's what I love about this time of year. Maybe not if you're an Orioles fan or a Pirates fan or a Rangers fan, but, you know, for the teams that are in it, right, you feel that. The fans are really getting into the games, you know, when it's two, you know, playoff contenders going at it, it does feel like a playoff game. And this is why I love this time of year. I know – football is starting and that kind of gets a lot of the headlines across the sports world but look September and October are, are my favorite time of the baseball calendar how do you think the Red Sox are going to finish out the season I should look at their schedule here how many games do they have against the Orioles <laughs> that's 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 the key right I mean Tampa Bay just finished uh, I think they must have swept the Orioles you know they they went 18 and one against Baltimore this year um, so, so that's a huge key. Let me if you give me a second here. I'll call up the Red Sox schedule because that's a huge part. You know, there's three other really good teams in that division, one really bad team. Um, so the remaining schedule, it, it's, it's huge for a team like the Red Sox who played great in the first half has kind of just been mediocre since the all-star break. Uh, you know, they have, they have six games left against Baltimore. So that's probably five or six wins right there. Uh, they only have one series left against the Yankees. 
and then six against Tampa, and they're done against Toronto. So it's not they don't have too many intra-division games left, so I think that makes things a little harder for the A's, the fact that the Red Sox schedule isn't super tough down the stretch. Yeah, you know, when I think about Tampa, I mean, it, it just – they are so strong, and they're so tough. Now, the, I, I'm, I'm now looking at the Red Sox schedule myself, and, uh, yeah, they <laughs> they got three with the Orioles at the end of the month. But, you know, it's it, it's not going to be totally easy because you got Mariners in there, you got Yankees, and you got Rays multiple times. It's, it's, it's not going to be – completely easy for for the Boston Red Sox no and they yeah they have a road trip in September to the White Sox and the Mariners so that's a tough one and that's right they play Tampa Bay right before that they end with a road trip to Baltimore and Washington so that's a pretty easy road trip to end the season two teams that are absolutely playing out the string can't wait to get to the golf course in the offseason uh, it just seems like the bad teams this year are so bad that, you know, the good teams are really just starting to roll all over them. But, you know, um, you know, we overrate the schedule. It's it's important, but it's not the, you know, the decisive matter in, in a thing like this. You know, and, and that's kind of the sad thing about our game is when you just have teams that are, I mean, the players, the coaches, the manager, they're trying but the yeah. front offices aren't trying. And that's why I kind of like when we've been hearing these rumblings in the CBA, if you're going to have basically a salary cap, which we have now where we're going to penalize you for spending a lot of money. I do like the fact of having some type of floor that forces teams to spend money to try and be competitive. Cause you know, like we're talking about the Orioles are a pushover right now. That, 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 that David, that's not good for our game. Yeah, like you said, it's not that the Orioles aren't playing. They're just outmanned. You know, they're going to have a triple-A team, basically. Yeah, and that's the issue. How do you solve that? There's there's various ways. A salary floor, um, which the players would like, as long as it doesn't go along with a salary cap, which, of course, the owners would also like. Um, at the same time, you know, the, if you make a team spend more money, and they're doing it on mediocre players, that's not going to make them that much better. Uh, I don't know how to address it. I think, personally, I think you need to fix the draft. Maybe it's a draft lottery. Maybe you can't pick in the top five more than one year in a row. you got to promote competitiveness. And right now, what we're seeing, obviously, are, is our teams trading off all their, their, their older players, go young for three or four years, try to stock up in the draft, and get competitive but it leads to a lot of really bad baseball yeah and and, and i think about i you know i think about this cba coming up what are you hearing and <laughs> do you think do you think that we're going to get a deal done because let's face it there's so much money out there to be made why would they screw this thing up yeah unfortunately we're not hearing a whole lot which makes you <laughs> Uh, it's a concern, right? Um, I think it expired. I should know that. I think it doesn't expire technically until December 31st, or maybe it's December 1st. It's December um, 1st, I think, yeah. Yeah, December 1st. I think you're right. You know, there's no way that I see a deal being finalized before then, you know, and a lot of the experts who know a lot more about this than me say they would not be surprised if when we get to spring training, 
that there is a lockout, that they don't expect a resolution, um, you know, by, by, you know, late February when, when camps open. So, so that's a concern um, that first owner, that first offer the owners floated a couple weeks ago with a, a reduced luxury tax threshold. I mean, that's a non-starter. There's no way the players are going to go for that, even if it did come with a, a salary floor. So it just feels like they're still a long ways apart. You know, I think about the article that you just did on ESPN.com, and it was a really fun read. And when you delve into baseball history and look at some of the great years, whether you're talking about Ruth or Williams or Mantle or Steve Carlton, Pedro Martinez, and you just think of what Shohei Otani is in our game right now, how much fun was it to do this article? And really, how great is Shohei Otani? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, so I picked, you know, the greatest, season from every decade going back to Honus Wagner in 1908 yeah it, it's obviously it's hard to compare Otani because he's doing it on both sides of the ball if you're somebody like me who's in the you know war wins above replacement on a peer valuation method analysis his season you know maybe it's not quite up there with the best of Babe Ruth or the best of Barry Bonds. At the same time, what he's doing is is basically unprecedented. You know, Babe Ruth did it a couple years uh, back in 1918 and 1919, but he wasn't as good at both as Shohei Otani is. By the time Ruth was doing both, he was kind of just a mediocre pitcher. Um, so it's hard to compare, but no doubt it has to be considered one of the all-time great seasons. You know, when I think about Shohei as a pitcher, like we already know, you know, we were the first ones to see him, right? Like he he showed up, he's hitting bombs in batting practice, he's throwing almost 100 miles an hour. You're like, wow, this guy is incredible. But as a pitcher, the problem is you can't rely on him on a consistent basis. So how do you value that? Yeah, you know, Chris, though, how many pitchers can you rely on in, in yep. 2021? You know, yeah, he's made 19 starts. He was supposed to pitch tonight, but uh, they're going to skip him because he got hit in the hand the other day while swinging. Yeah, he's not uh, out there. Gonna, he's not going to give you 32 starts and 200 innings like a Walker Bueller is going to do for the Dodgers. But on a rate basis, he's very effective. And look, if you can get He's at 19 starts, so say he's healthy all of September, he gets up to 23 or 24 starts, 140 innings, you know, and this day and age, that's not too shabby, I guess. As long as you're effective, any team will take that. Do you ever see a point where the Angels will go, he's far more valuable as a position player, and that it's just like he's going to play every day, and maybe he doesn't pitch? Do you ever see that happening? Well, look, I guess if he keeps doing this, no, they're going to keep keep them both ways. I guess uh, you kind of have to think what might happen. Well, obviously another pitching injury, and then they might say enough. You're too valuable as a hitter. Imagine what he could do on defense with his speed and arm. Um, he'd be an unbelievable left fielder or right fielder. Heck, he might be able to play center field. Time to move Mike Trout to left field. Um, wow. I would love to, right? I mean, don't you think he'd be a great yeah. outfielder? He's one of the fastest players in the league. So I'd love to see him in the outfield. But um, I think as long as his arm stays healthy, 
he's proven he can do this. Now there comes a point where if he, you know, as he gets into his thirties, you know, maybe doing both is just too much, but for now he's young. He's in phenomenal shape. He's a baseball playing machine. I'd keep him doing both. You know, we brought Mark Kotze on the program. I played against Kotze in college. And when Kotze was at Cal State Fullerton, I mean, this guy's hitting over 400 and hitting bombs. And then he'd come in the ninth inning throwing 97, 98 and close the games out. And so we brought Mark on and said, do you think there would ever be a possibility where Shoei is going to hit, he's going to DH, and then could be like a closer? And would he be more valuable? Could you do that? Mark thought, eh, I mean, I would have liked to try, but back then people weren't doing that. Uh, do you see that kind of scenario where I just need him to come in and blow people away for one inning and he gets his four or five at-bats a game? Yeah, that's a possibility. you got to figure out how's he going to warm up. Um, I guess if he's a DH, you can do that. So that kind of still precludes him playing in the field. Um, but again, I get, you know, he's been effective enough as a starter and frankly, I'd rather look how many innings is he going to pitch as a closer seven, 70 innings. That's about the max these days where as a starter, you're going to get him up to 130 or 140. Um, so I think I would tend to still keep him as a starter, but I get your point. If he's pitching 70 high leverage innings, there's a ton of value in that. So yeah, I could see that working too. Being around this game the way you've been around it in your career, uh, did you ever think going thumbs down to New York fans was going to work? <laughs> well, you, you just missed it. The Mets rallied. They scored five runs in the bottom of the ninth just uh, moments ago to beat the Marlins. And the winning run, Javier Baez, on a hustle play, a base hit to left field. He goes first to third. The left fielder bobbles the ball. Baez with a great base running play, scores, beats the throw home. So Mets fans probably love him now, 48 hours later, right, with it with a great uh, hustle play. But, yeah, I know that's – look, the only thing that I can think of off the top of, uh, top of my head that compares is back in the day, Ted Williams had a contentious relationship with Red Sox fans, and he uh, – at least once uh, gave them a certain uh, raised finger. <laughs> so we've seen this before, but I mean, yeah, in New York, you're not going to get away with it. Mets fans were giving him the uh, the thumbs down sign today. So, but you know, Mets fan, they kind of love this in a way. So maybe, maybe this will spur the Mets on to something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, I, I think about a guy signs a long-term contract to be the face of the franchise and year one's not going so hot. There's nine years left on this deal. Yeah, that's a really good point. Look, Baez is a rental. He's a free agent. He's going to be somewhere else next year anyways. You're right. The pressure here, you know, long term is on Francisco Lindor, who's going to have to win over Mets fans, and he's going to have to do with his performance, which has been way below his normal level this year. So, you know, there he doesn't have enough time to turn around the season this year, but next year he better have a good year. Mets fans are really going to be on him. You know, let's end on this. If you had to buy stock in one team the rest of the way and in the postseason, who would you be buying stock in? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, the team, uh, it's hard to call them a sleeper, but the Milwaukee Brewers, 
I think have a chance to go all the way. They have a great top tree in that rotation with Corbin Burns and Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta, though I think Peralta is on the IL right now with a little sore shoulder. Christian Yelich is starting to heat up. He's not had a good year by his standards, but he's been really hot the last couple of weeks. But they got, you know, a great uh, end game in the bullpen there. So that's a team that seems to me that it's built for the playoffs. They can really pitch and they catch the ball and they have just enough enough offense, I think. So if you're asking me on a sleeper team, you know, beyond like the Dodgers or the, the Rays, I think uh, it might be the Milwaukee Brewers. And they're the San, San Francisco Giants are sitting over there going, yep. why does no one pick us and give us any more? <laughs> we've, been consistent, we've been consistent all year. I know. And every, everybody's going to continue to underrate them. Uh, nobody's going to pick them to win the World Series. You know, in fact, we have a piece, you know, on ESPN. I think it's coming out tomorrow where all our writers had to make some picks. And, you know, I picked the Dodgers to catch them and win the division, you know. So, yeah, I, I admit we just look at that team and we still wonder how they're doing it. Oldest team in the league, but they just keep winning. Yeah. Well, you guys do a great job and it was wonderful having Sunday night baseball out in Oakland for the first time in a long time. We got to see your buddy Buster only hadn't seen him or, or Matty V obviously Matt Vaskersian, a big A's fan. I mean, we hadn't seen these guys since the wild card game in 2019. We haven't seen you in a while. I can't wait to see you out in Oakland. <laughs> well, I'd love to get out there at some point because, uh, you know, I grew up in Seattle, so I'm kind of a Mariners fan. But as a baseball fan, man, I would love to see the A's do it one of these years, get Billy Bean to a World Series, get Bob Melvin to a World Series because they do it every year. They're there, you know, and we know with the, the payroll, you know, that the A's have, it's not up there in Yankee land or Red Sox land, you know, but they win. So, uh, yeah, let's uh, let's see if the A's can catch the Red Sox here and win a wild card. Well, it's always great having you on the program. We truly appreciate it. Be well and be safe, and hopefully we'll see you soon and uh, hopefully in the playoffs. All right. You bet, Chris. Thanks for having me. Take care. Hey, he's a good guy. Good writer, too. Can you imagine? What a World Series. Like, you talk about what a championship does for, you know, you name it. What it does for a head coach in the NFL. What it does for a coach in the NBA. Stanley Cup, obviously, hockey. But what a championship would do for Billy Bean and Bob Melvin. Immediately, they're Hall of Famers. Because you take all the success, and now you put a championship behind it, right? with one of the lower payrolls in the game. As I said the other night, after, God, it would have been after Sunday Night Baseball, I was like, Bob Melvin has never had what these Hall of Fame managers, Dick Williams and Tony La Russa, what they had. He's never had the payroll. He's never had the Hall of Famers. He's never had the All-Stars. He's never had that. And yet he's won. Billy Bean, all he has done is made this and throw David Forrest in there. They've made this franchise competitive. I mean, think about that, Cody. If you threw a championship on top of the resume for not only Billy Bean, but Bob Melvin, 
I think you're saying Hall of Fame careers. Oh, I, I completely agree. And, and I think uh, it helps Bob a lot. I think Billy's going to get into the Hall of Fame without the World Series. Uh, I think for everything he's done for the game of baseball overall, for changing the game with Moneyball and everything, uh, I think that puts him on the Hall of Fame track. Uh, but a World Series is, you know, you know, cements it for him. And same with Bob, for everything Bob's done with the A's and all the wins and everything. And uh, it doesn't look like he's going anywhere anytime soon. So that's also a good sign. And a World Series would definitely help them because you're right. If you go back and look at all the guys that Tony La Russa had, which uh, today is the anniversary, by the way. Uh, 29 years ago today. Is it 29? Yeah. 29 years ago today, Jose Canseco was traded. Uh, really? 29? Where he's on deck, hey, Jose, uh, you need to come over here. Let me, let me make sure. That, that was 29 was years ago today? How's that possible? Let me make sure that was correct. I saw people post posting. Well, yeah. Here it is right here. SI has it. Um, was that a waiver? Wi- that had to be a waiver wire process. If you're saying yeah. it happened at yeah, late on August, on August 31st, 1992, the Rangers sent a bushel of talent to the Oakland Athletics for – one-time American League Most Valuable Player, and it was Jose Canseco. Yeah. The village idiot, Ruben High Sierra, a big part of that deal coming to the A's for Jose Canseco. Uh, Jeff Russell and Bobby Witt was the other player involved. Whose son was a good closer at the time. Whose son is the uh, Royals' top prospect, Bobby Witt Jr., uh, is a nice little player for, in the Royals' system. So that happened uh, 29 years ago. Today, there was something else that happened. Oh, Justin Verlander dealt to the Astros on this date in 2017. With 10 seconds left to go. Yeah, uh, I couldn't tell you who the, who Detroit got in that deal uh, from the Astros, but that, that deal happened. Let me actually look. Justin Verlander. Well, just, you know, when you look back at Jose Canseco's numbers, he had some monster years. I mean, there's no question about it. I mean, when he won the MVP, you got 42 bombs, 124 RBIs, 40 stolen bases, an OPS of nine, uh, 959. I mean, it was a total package. I mean, you, you, you look back at what sluggers were then, I mean, Jose Canseco hit 307. He wasn't hitting 215 like we see today, you know, like a Joey Gallo type. He was hitting 307. I mean, he had monster years. You think about in, in Toronto, in 1998, at the age of 33, Jose had 46 bombs, 107 RBIs. Now, he claims he was blackballed out of baseball. I mean, his last year, I mean, he had 16 jacks, 49 RBIs, and hit 258 with an 843 OPS. If you take Canseco off the back, people would still be hiring that guy. But, man, did he have some monster years. Are you talking about about Devil Rays legend Jose Canseco? No, that would have been White Sox legend (laughs) Jose Canseco at 36. His last year in 2001. I'm just going. I'm just going through and looking through. White Sox, Yankees, Rays, 
A's, Boston, Rangers. He played for 16. Ricky's what, nine? So Jose played for six. So that's, I mean, it's not bad. Yeah, so it's nine years in Oakland, three years in Texas, two in Tampa Bay, two in Boston, one in New York. Yeah, I remember he was on the, uh, he got a World Series ring, right, with the Yankees? Yes, in 2000, he yeah, would have. 2000, yeah. yeah. And one year White Sox, one year Toronto. But yeah, he won a World Series with the Yankees. Oh, that 99, that 99 Devil Race team. Fred McGriff, Wade Boggs. Uh, Let me guess, Vinny Castilla? Um, no. Not on that team. Uh, who else is on this team? Let me, I'm just looking at this Devil Race team from 99. Uh, they were, remember they won ten straight years of being terrible. They had under five hundred. So McGriff, uh, White Sox bench coach Miguel Cairo, Wade Boggs, Randy Wynn—that's Giants TV star, Conseco, um, Dave Martinez, Nationals manager. Well, let's see who's let's see who some Julio Franco at age forty. The great Julio Franco. Bobby Witt. <laughs> There are some there are some names on this team. Then let's see who their pitchers were. Uh, well, no one really. Uh, S, uh, yeah, no, no one really, except for Bobby Witt, who went seven and fifteen that year with a ERA clo- ERA close to six. So that's just some of the guys they had. Uh, even Wade Boggs pitched in a game. That, oh boy. Oh, Jim Morris, the uh, the guy from the movie The Rookie. Jim Morris was on that team as well. Uh, okay, Vinny Castilla showed up in two thousand. I remember he was on that team. Rocky legend, Vinny Castilla, who oh, had massive numbers at Coors Field. The Blake Street, what were they called? The Blake Street Bombers? Correct. Dante Bichette, Andres Galarraga, Ellis Burks, Vinny Castilla. That was that 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 was that that was a that was a legit lineup. Now they didn't get to the World Series like they did. Well, what was the year they was that 2009? No, 2007. What year was that? Two, uh, the Rockies 2007 because the Rays won 2008. Yeah, and then the Phillies won and no, the Yankees won in 2009. Yeah, so it was 2007 because the uh, the Red Sox won in 2007. It was Reds, it went Red Sox, Red Sox, Phillies, Yankees. That's the year that the Rockies won 17 straight. And then they had that, that that play that they had to play the Padres. I can't remember exactly what what the scenario was. And then they rolled through the postseason to eventually lose to the Boston Red Sox. The one year, one year, the Rockies actually were a, a legit team and won. So tough, so tough to win there. Who was their manager? Do you remember? It wasn't Clint Hurdle? It was Clint Hurdle. Was it Clint Hurdle? Yeah, it was Clint Hurdle. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? Wasn't my man Jim Leland, friend of the program? No, uh, it was. It was. Uh, it was another former Pirates manager, Clint Hurdle. Clint Hurdle. <laughs> they they were good that year too. I mean, when they had that winning streak, and they were just. I mean, Matt Holiday. They had some nice. They had some good players. Todd Elton. They had legit players. I think was Clint Barmas on that team. Their pitching staff actually wasn't bad that year. Oh well, then again, their top starter that that, that year was. Was it they had Josh Fogg? I'm th- I remember I went through their their pitching staff there. I'm like, how they they made it to the World Series with this pitching staff? How? Well, they won they won 17 games in a row to get in. Yeah, I well, mean they well. had to have that magic. And when you think about that magic, 
because there was a controversial play in that extra game against the Padres where who came up short, but they called him safe. Matt Holiday. Matt, was that Matt Holiday? Yeah. People still claim that he hasn't touched on plate. Yeah. I'll give I'll give you their starters a quick before we go. Jeff Francis, Aaron Cook, Josh Fogg, Jason. Josh Fogg. Jason Hirish. Ubaldo Jimenez started that year. And Rodrigo Lopez. Their closer, A's legend Brian Fuentes. Wow. That's their pitching staff. And they won, they won 17 games in a row, and they went to the World Series. Yeah. So before, before we go, I want to say uh, happy retirement to Bruce, who works people. This is about, way behind the scenes, but from Shout, who help, helps get us on the air on, and on iHeart. Today is his last day. He's retiring. So congrats He's to retiring? you. retiring? Congrats to Bruce on a great career and helping us with everything. Enjoy retirement. Have a beer on us or several beers, and uh, here's to the next journey for you, my friend. Yeah, Bruce, congratulations. That's awesome. Retirement. You think we'll ever retire? Well, you might. I don't know. I don't, I don't know about me. I mean. I, I, think, I think we're working for a long time. That's okay. I'm fine with that. All right. What, what Games at what? Uh, 410, so, so we're on a 310 uh, Ace yeah. Total Access? Yeah, so I'm just going to play some, run some spots here, and then we'll get you on for Ace Total Access. Your guests will be David Schoenfeld, so I'll work on that here shortly. All righty. We'll see you tomorrow, Cody. We'll see everybody in 10 minutes for the uh, for our A's Total Access Show, which is brought to you by who? Francis Ford Coppola Winery. Boom. We'll see you in 10. This is Chris Townsend for my favorite golf course in the Bay Area, Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Tucked in the beautiful hills of San Jose, Cinnabar Hills offers the finest 27 holes of championship golf in Silicon Valley. Come see the amazing new renovated clubhouse and restaurant, plus patio dining with the most breathtaking views. Cinnabar Hills is far more than a golf course. One of the premier places in the Bay Area to host weddings and any type of events. There's no golf experience like Cinnabar Hills Golf Club. Go to CinnabarHills.com. That's CinnabarHills.com. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics.